0: 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack-A-Day Podcast.
1: All right, what's going on Packer fans? Welcome into another episode of the Acme Packing Company and Pack-A-Day Podcast joint venture with the one and only Justice Mosqueda, of course, I'm Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. You can follow him at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Justice, we have another fun game to discuss. Before we get there, let me ask you, how are you doing? Uh,
0: I mean, I've watched my favorite football team just drop, what is it, five of their last six games at this yeah. point? Yeah, yeah. So, outside of that, doing
1: okay, but that part really stinks. It's not fun. Uh, it's definitely not fun. It's not fun going through and rewatching it and going through the All-22 and seeing a lot of the same mistakes, a lot of the same frustrations, a lot of all of that stuff, which we will get to and break down um, in great detail, of course, like we always do. Before we get there, I think we had some form of good news on Monday and the fact that Rashawn Gary signed his contract extension. Haven't had the opportunity to talk about this too much yet. So four-year extension. Uh, takes him right up until basically right when he turns 30, he'll turn 30 in the December uh, of that season uh, of what the contract goes up until. So I always want to kind of keep guys right under that you know usual 30 mark, which kind of is is perfect for Green Bay. Four year 96.64 million dollar extension. the numbers per season after this year, 15.9 million, 23 point9 million, 26 point4 million, and 29 point4 million never hits that magical 30 number which you always like you know like to see from a packer's standpoint as well what were your kind of uh big takeaways from this deal for Rashawn gary and the packers
0: yeah i thought it was a pretty happy medium between both sides i know um i can't remember if i talked about it with you but it seems like this has been something that's been in the works for a while which isn't surprising because he's in the contract season i heard that His representatives had flown up to Green Bay like during the bye week, for example, and they thought they were going to be able to get a deal done. They weren't able to land on a number. It's nice to see him land on a number that puts Rashawn Gary near that top tier of guy, but doesn't push the Nick Bosa numbers. Right. That's what you have to be worried about. Um, I think Gary, if you look at it, it's like fifth among edge rushers, which, again, isn't bad for a guy who started what, like a year and a half worth of games. So far in his career um, and is coming off of a a major knee injury and is still on a pitch count. Um, But it basically ends up working out to like the Nick Bosa contract with like 60 million shaved off of it. If the Packers really want to get out of the contract, they probably can. Uh, I think it was after 2025. um, Yeah. They'll probably convert his, his salary next year or not salary, the uh, roster bonus. Right. Which, for all intents and purposes like just consider that salary because it just gets paid out earlier um they'll probably convert that into a signing bonus and and add a little bit more uh cap hits into the future you know stretch out that cap hit so um that cap number in 2024 is probably not going to be as high as you think it is um but i thought you know hey man if you can get him signed on the dotted line like do it and move forward um you don't have to play the whole No trade deadline game with him this season, so that's nice.
1: Yeah, I'm totally there too. If, If you were to play devil's advocate, because I know some people out there, some weren't as happy with the deal. They thought that maybe it was overpaying. Is there any argument you can make, or even just being devil's advocate, as to why this would not be a good deal for Green Bay? Um,
0: I don't think it's really about the deal as much as it would be the player individually, if you're going to make that case, right? Where you're like, you know, he's a two-down player or whatever you want to consider a pass rusher in the NFL in today's game. And, you know, he's not good at setting an edge, and he does have that injury history. I I, I think if you're putting yourself in that mindset, you have to look at it from that perspective. Because as a pure pass rusher, they're – Man, there's few people in football who are as good as Rashawn Gary at what he does. So I think it'd be a tough argument to make if if you're not considering those factors.
1: Yeah, I, I struggle making any arguments to not make this deal for Rashawn Gary. As I mentioned, like all of the big things that I wanted to kind of see from a Packer side of things – Again, didn't hit that 30 mil mark in any of those seasons. Now, like you said, they could restructure next year. And if they do, that's going to kick things out. And then at some point that will reach over 30 million for some of those future seasons. But the way that it's written as of now, I like all of those cap hits for the next four years. These
0: these contracts too, or every contract in the NFL is a three-year contract. But if, if Gary is still worth keeping around after probably like in the 2026 season, right? Um, if he's still worth keeping around, they will probably shred up that contract and just give him a brand new contract. And then, you know, those cap hits look a whole lot different. No one really rides out their contract anymore. Sure. like that's not how
1: five-year deals work. True. No, that's a fair point. And and I think the other thing too, again, is, you know, just from an age standpoint, he's at the perfect age to extend him. And I personally think, and and we can make the the debate if uh, there's any other player you want to debate. I think he's the best player in the Packers right now on a team that just doesn't have very many high level players. He is one of them. You can't really, um, you, you can't really risk losing him. And this is a team next year. I know nobody really wants to start looking at like salary cap uh, situations next year. It's still not like super great and putting him on a franchise tag and playing him on a franchise tag at an edge rusher franchise tag would really be a nightmare for green Bay. So, um, I don't, we don't really want to use the L word, the leverage word anymore, uh, cause it got so overused in the, um, in the off season. But I think, I think the, you know, Rashawn Gary and his agents had a decent amount of leverage here because of where he is on the team. And because that Green Bay, I'm sure does not want to use that franchise tag on him. And I, like you said, I thought this was a really nice deal for both sides, top five edge rusher money, um, for Rashawn Green Bay gets a solid deal. I, I have no zero complaints and I really like the deal for both sides.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is what This is, you know, if you're projecting Everything, right, this is the kind of number That you hit on, right? It's like yeah. Just under $25 million, he's not getting The of money, it's closer to what, like, Miles Garrett got in 2020, all that stuff um, They only added, I think it was Like a million dollars, um, in terms Of the cap hit, uh, with the extension On the immediate season, so I think uh, Green Bay should have something like $5.5 million to play Around with, in terms of cap space moving forward um, Obviously that would account for, you know, players on in reserve and stuff like that too. So it's not like they can just go grab a guy worth
1: 5.5 and just add him to the no. team or anything like that. But they have a little bit of wiggle room, which brings us to our next question. It is Tuesday, as most people are going to be listening to this, and it is officially trade deadline day. Justice, what are your expectations for trade deadline day for Green Bay? I thought it was weird that they worked guys out on Monday. Did you see that? I did see that. I saw it. Actually, I saw it on on Acme Packing Companies where I saw
0: it. Hey, there we go. Um, They usually don't work out guys on Monday, which to me makes me think. So so if you don't know NFL schedule, the way it works out, right? Like guys come in on Mondays. Tuesday is really like an off day league-wide for players if, you know, they're coming off of a Sunday game going into a Sunday game type of thing. Um, that's usually when they have like the workouts for guys who are on, you know, practice squad visits or anything like that, or veterans coming in, um, off an injury or something like that. Thought it was interesting. Green Bay did it on Monday because obviously Tuesday is the trade deadline. So does the front office think that they're going to be busy and preoccupied on Tuesday? Mm -hmm. Interesting thought. Um, I know Jay Glazer reported that the Green Bay Packers are still involved in the running back market. That was after talking about Derrick Henry and uh Saquon Barkley. He mentioned the Packers, uh, Ravens and Brown specifically as teams still in the running back market. Um, seems like the Ravens Derrick Henry trade stuff is now dead. Sorry. So yeah. if uh the Titans aren't really aren't willing to trade Derrick Henry, who you know the floor obviously has a background with, he coached him as the offensive coordinator at Tennessee before he took the head coaching job with Green Bay. Um I guess that means Saquon is potentially on the market or uh, are, are the Packers willing to pull the trigger on Saquon? I don't know. Um, I don't think they should make a move. I really don't. I don't think they should use future assets on this year's team. That seems dumb.
1: We are in lockstep per usual. Um, I uh, like even starting to get into next year of like what money that they could open up and pushing salary cap hits into future seasons, I would much rather this team get, this Team's not good I, enough. This, no, how, I know.
0: How much longer are we going to like borrow from the future? We're already at a two
1: and five team or whatever our record is. So a million percent, like I want this team to get financially responsible and like start eating as many of those salary caps as they can next year, like get off of the the veteran ones. And I know that's really hard for people to hear and they want this team to be competitive, but I know you tweeted it out and I have been thinking the exact same thing of like, if all of a sudden Green Bay starts getting ultra aggressive, whether it's at the trade deadline this year, even in like free agency next year, then to me it it screams of like, all right, Brian to Matt Lafleur, some form of them are really starting to feel the pressure and the the hot seat is really there. And they're now trying to save jobs rather than maybe make what ultimately is the best decision long-term for the green Bay Packers, which happens. It's just real life. That happens in NBA, NHL, um, right. major league baseball, MLS everywhere. That just it happens all throughout the league is, is guys have to start making decisions to try to keep their job to show that they can actually get wins in the, in the win column. But yeah, you look at it and I, that to me is not the direction that they should be heading in as aggressively pursuing players. And any sign of that, whether they're getting trade deadline or free agency is, is to me, it's too early. And that would, that would give me some you know cause for concern. The, the
0: only saving grace here, if they do end up making a move at running back is, you know, that's one of the two positions you probably would want to see some sort of long-term answer at, right? I think it's running back and safety are the two we would be looking at. Safety, obviously, no one's on a contract moving forward outside of Anthony Johnson Jr., who gets like four uh, do snaps. Do not in.
1: forget about Zane Anderson, sir. Do not forget about Zane Anderson. Is I'm going to be honest. I don't know how long Zane Anderson's contract
0: is. Yeah, I, I, think, I think
1: he has another year left, my friend. I think he has – I think it's this year next year. I think Anthony Johnson Jr. and Zane Anderson are the two that are actually under contract going into next year. So That's a scary do not – never short Zane Anderson if I've learned anything in life. Um,
0: and then running backs obviously the other one, right? AJ Dillon's in a contract year. Aaron Jones is at the point in his contract where the cap hits just become a lot. I, what is it, 17.7 million or something like that yeah. that he's owed? Um, David Bakhtiari's got the 40. Yeah, I mean, if if you think that this is the year that the Packers are taking their medicine, this is a two step process, right? This is like when you're mixing epoxy, right? You need you need one part A, one part B, like. If, if we want to see this rebuild through, like, year zero is 2025. Like, we still have to take our medicine next season, too. Um, the David Bakhtiari thing gets really interesting. I know uh, Ken Engels brought up the fact that, like, Bakhtiari might be, like, an Android grievance type of situation where even if he's not ready to play, like, he still might be owed that money, which would then translate into a $40 million cap. hit. Again, I, I think... I recall this right. It would be the largest cap hit for any non-quarterback in the history of the sport.
1: It's a bad contract, and they still haven't gotten out of it yet. So, yeah, no, the the Bakhtiari thing is is a nightmare. It's like, and hopefully, like the weird thing is is hopefully he's available to play. And he doesn't have an injury issue for multiple reasons. A so that you can make the determination and decision if you want to keep him, or B, probably more importantly, if you want to get off the extra twenty million dollars, 21 million in salary for him. Like that's a bigger thing where like if he if he's not ready to go or like he's on pup for the first six weeks, or you know, he can't make the first half of the season or whatever, and the injury remains, like they're gonna end up paying that dude next year. And that's gonna be like. And he might not even play. Like it, I don't even want to talk. I, I've cautious justice from the the tape and everything else. I don't think I can handle uh, David Bakhtiari contract talk right now. That's 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 what I'm saying. Is like, hey guys, maybe hold on to your draft
0: picks a little bit and don't give Saquon Barkley that extension. I I also think uh, the way that it works out now is if by the time that you're hearing this, the way the trades work out, no one will be able to eat money. So, like if the Packers trade for Saquon Barkley, it's not like the Giants would be able to eat half of that salary and and move on from him for the sake of, you know, getting compensation back for an expiring contract or something like that. So um no no one's coming to save your football team. And I don't think the Packers are one player away anyway.
1: No, I, I do not expect them to be any sort of aggressive seller. Could maybe one smaller piece move out? Sure. Could they D. maybe make the
0: most sense to me? Like he can be a return man. He can be a slot for a potential contender. It's not like the Packers are getting a whole ton of kick returns or punt returns or anything like that this season. So,
1: yeah, no, that could be one. Yeah, just there's not a ton that makes sense, especially at this point, especially with some of the contract situations. Um, So I I don't expect them to to really sell. And I don't like if they bought and even it was like a running back, like. Maybe Michael Carter from the Jets, if they want to move on from him, or something like like something small. I I I'd, I'd be surprised if there was something major from this team in the next you know it, on Tuesday. But I don't know. Crazier things have happened, I guess. Yeah. It would it, it would also be like a sort of a kick in the groin too. Of like in the year that the years that you were all in, you didn't make a move at the deadline. But now on a team that you're two and five with on the deadline, you is the year you make them. I don't know. It's it's not a huge deal, but it would just be sucky.
0: Yeah, I don't – just stick with what you got. I
1: mean, if anything,
0: sell, and maybe that is something that can set expectations moving forward of, like, this is a rebuild. It's a clear rebuild. We aren't pretending anymore. Like, yeah, players need to get better, but this is what we're starting now.
1: It is an interesting thought of, like, do you you even make that signal? And is it, like – I don't think – I don't know. It would be interesting if that, like, even bought – the, the front office more time to be like, Hey, we had to get off of some of these contracts. This is what we are paying for from, you know, previous seasons going on it. I don't know. It'll be very interesting. My guess is the Packers are the Packers and it's just, there's no, there's no move period would be my bigger guess, but all right, let's, let's talk to something way more fun, which is uh key takeaways from Packers Vikings. So justice, I will cede the floor to you first. Uh, any, anything new that you noticed, anything that you wanted to go over from that uh, wonderful game that was Packers Vikings week eight. New, no.
0: not really. I mean, they were heavily penalized. I know they've been really bad at penalties all season. I think they're leading the league now. Um, but 11 is bad. What was it? 99 yards or whatever it was is even worse. When the third play of the game, you run an RPO, no receivers are running a route and you get an illegal man downfield because the offensive lineman doesn't know the quarterback is doing a scramble drill on a pass play that has no protection no. because they, you know, it's they think it's a run play. I think that kind of sets the tone for uh, what kind of a game it was. Um, I am consistently appalled at how poorly some of these wide receivers are coached. The fact that they're able to run wrong, wrong, run wrong routes or not even run a route entirely. Okay. And they're consistently getting playing time. Matt LaFleur talked about last week, we need to get the Tavian Wicks, um, on the field. And I know, you know, Duntavian Wicks, oh my God, these guys talk about him every week. Um, but this is more about LaFleur saying he wanted to get a guy involved. And then he still plays Reed Dobbs Watson 80-, 80% of the snaps in terms of the offensive snap count. Nothing is changing. They're just hoping these players take to the coaching. And through what is it, eight weeks now, they haven't. And I don't know. Like, are these players going to turn it around or does it look like this the entire season? If it looks like this the entire season, does the four go down with the shit? I mean, what what's to make do you believe year three of Dobbs or Watson is going to be better than, you know, year one or two where they're making some of these mistakes and stuff. So they better hope this offense starts to alleviate some of those stressors because right now it's it's all bad and it's, Bad across the board and it's bad to the point That they don't look prepared it's embarrassing Like I remember um Last week I talked to on to break down You know the Packers Vikings game he's a Vikings Guy yep Um, and I was Like look they're gonna blow some routes And it's gonna look terrible and he's like What do you mean they're gonna blow some-? like I had to Like explain it to him and I'm like you'll you'll see Dude like you'll see this Is not a normal thing that even young Teams usually experience like Usually guys At least know the plays. This is odd. And it's. The fingers keep. You know. All all the data keeps pointing back to like. Maybe this is a coaching problem. And you know. Be it Matt or the coaches who are serving under him. Or you know. Stenovich being in a role potentially that. um, He shouldn't have filled. Or like. Why is Dick Butkus's nephew coaching my offensive line. Like there's all sorts of questions that you can start asking. Right i just don't know where the buck stops right like who if this is someone's sword to fall on who's the big
1: one what what is the ultimate this show is sponsored by better help do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way in college i personally dealt with an addiction that was tough to get over and while my mind kept telling me to do the right things and i wanted to do the right things it was always hard trying to make the right choices in real time What I eventually found out was that therapy can help you figure out what's holding you back and how to work for yourself instead of against yourself. Therapy has helped me with my past struggles and helped make me a better person today for my friends and my family. Therapy has helped me learn my trigger points, my destructive habits, and what positive steps to take to ensure that those negative behaviors turn into positive ones. If you're even thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be catered to your schedule, and flexible to your individual needs. The best part is that BetterHelp is so easy to sign up for. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your best friend with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P pcom packaday. Cue the dramatic music. We have a public service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you a below-the-waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new performance package 5.0 Ultra. Featuring the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, we're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. Upgrade your grooming game to the Ultra Sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PACKAday. High tech for low places, Manscaped. Personally, Manscaped is my go-to for all of my grooming needs. Manscaped has some crazy technology that helps prevent nicks, cuts, snags, and tugs in all those ultra sensitive places. I also personally recommend the Crop Soother Aftershave Lotion that just makes the entire experience so much better. In an area that you have to have trust, I trust Manscaped and you should too. Right now you can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code packaday at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with code packaday at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. So get yours today from our folks over at Manscaped. I, and I'm with you. I think I think it has to be Lafleur, right? And I get that there are like a million variables and I get that like nothing really feels great. I think there's clearly been some misses from a personnel standpoint. I think some of the contracts they did and the decisions that they made when they were trying to keep things all together ended up being not great decisions, both, you know, looking in hindsight, but certainly looking at the contracts, the way that they're set up. Now there's a lot of things that just went poorly. I think some injury issues have certainly plagued the, the Packers as well. Obviously we know the David Bakhtiari situation, Aaron Jones, just not being himself since the the touchdown in week one has not helped this team in any capacity. But when you have players consistently that look worse than they used to look, whether it's, I mean, Jenkins, I thought had a nice week this week, but in general, you go back, you know, a couple of years ago to Elton Jenkins to now he looks worse to me. John Runyon Jr. From 2021 looks way better than John Runyon Jr. 2023. Josh Myers, I don't care what anyone is saying in the Packers organization is not uh, spoiler alert, playing the best football of said career. Um, Zach Tom is probably one of the only players that is actually playing better football this year over last year. There's, there's a, there's a handful, maybe Devonte Wyatt, we can probably put in that group. I think Quay Walker from time to time shows flashes of that. Uh, Rashawn Gary, maybe, um, there's just not, there's not very, very many Watson looks worse than he did last year. Dobbs looks worse than he does last, uh, did last year. Even Jordan love looks better early in the season than he looks right now. There's, there's so many players that are showing signs of regression rather than progress. And what else do you point that to? I mean, these, these are, there's a lot of talented football players on this team. There's a lot of players that we have seen play at least solid to good football for this team that aren't playing solid to good football right now. I don't know what else you put that on. I'm I'm at a loss to put it on anything else. The way the Packers are looking right now,
0: it seems like it's gonna be a struggle for them to get to six wins, right? I would agree. In their next three win, their next three games. I almost said wins, are I believe it's uh Rams, Steelers, Char- Chargers? Chargers is, is right? what I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. We we played the scheduled game. Uh, Tex and I did on the APC feed He says you know they probably go One and two during that stretch okay well coming Out of that stretch we're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions We're talking about a Green Bay Packers team that is three and nine On you know the second Week of December Mike McCarthy was Four seven and one when he was canned. right like If you can't get to six wins In the NFL it doesn't really Matter what the expectations are like you usually get fired if you're a veteran coach. I I checked this stat by hand last night because I could not figure out a way that I can get this sorted out. All right, so here's a list of names. Um, this is what this list of names is going to be an example of. These are coaches who won fewer than six games in their fifth year or later with one single squad. Okay, following so far? Didn't win a Super Bowl You know, prior to that streak because you have guys like you know, John Harbaugh or like John Gruden got you know situations where they went all in, um, actually did the thing and then kind of regressed for a year or whatever. Sure. These are all super super bowl era qualifiers, not including strike season. Um, so there's no like this team finished five and three and they qualify for the stat or anything like that. There's 120 qualifying head coaches who uh yeah. fell under this bucket. These are all the guys who were retained after you know, a five-win season or worse, and got to keep their job. And This is sorted by win percentage. Jason Garrett, bad start at the top. Dan yeah. Reeves, Marvin Lewis, Wayne Fontes, Jeff Fisher. This is the cutoff for above five hundred. Everyone else is below five hundred in terms of their their win percentage. Cool. After no, 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 not career. After that that season, gotcha. right? So gotcha. we're looking moving forward. Like, was it gotcha. worth it to keep them? Bart Starr, John McKay, Jack Del Rio, Sam Rudigliano. Don't know who that is. Dick Nolan. Shout out to Mike Smith, uh, Jack Patera, Dave Wanstead, and John Robinson. It's almost never worth it to keep guys who are coaching teams that are this bad, you know, this late into their tenure. And that includes, you know, like for like Jason Garrett, right? The reason he qualifies is Tony Romo got hurt that one year, right? And yeah. stuff like that. Dan Reeves came off of, um, I think it was three AFC titles in the previous four seasons. And then outside of that, the highest win percentage is Marvin Lewis at 34%, right? Um, Jeez. No one gets to keep their jobs. And if they do keep their jobs, it almost never works out. If Matt doesn't get this figured out, he's going to get fired. That's the situation right now. And I know no one wants to look at that because they're like, Well, look, he could change all the coaches underneath him and he can change the defensive coordinator and we can, you know, they're going to have to take their medicine again next season. And who do you think – it's easier to pitch a better core of – and this is going to be tough to hear. It's going to be easier to pitch a better group of assistant coaches to be hired in Green Bay if we're under a different head coach than if we're under Matt LaFleur. Because they're coming in year one on the hot seat. Who knows if they're going to have to move a third time in two years, right? Yeah,
1: it's a serious conversation to have. Like, you're talking about how many guys do you let go too? If you're, if you're like, can you let go of everyone? Like, can you build a staff from scratch? And
0: and then at that point, what's even the point? And then your your biggest issue is still just execution on the offensive side, and the only guy that you kept is the offensive play caller. Like, I don't get. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like. A lot of things are going to have to be evaluated in Green Bay if this continues. And again, like if they're if they're three and nine on December eleventh or whatever it is, do they say like, "Hey, we want to give Wasatchi a shot because like he might be a candidate for this job. Like, let's
1: just try him out at this point." I think so. This week is now so interesting because you've got potential Brett Rippon fest. I would assume it's going to be, I don't think there's a chance Stafford plays in this. Game. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but the, the fact would,
0: that they try to sign Wolford
1: um, kind of hints
0: at that, right?
1: Yes. I, I would think no, no Stafford this week, which means it's Brett Rippon at Lambeau in a game. You, you cannot lose if you're green Bay, like just cause like to your point, I don't think they go into Pittsburgh and win right now. You have the chargers at home. I, I don't think that is going to go great. You've got lions on the road. The That's lions not going to go great. Then the Kansas city chiefs, to your point, if they don't win against the Brett rip and led, and here's the like bigger thing, right? I can say those next four after that are probably going to be losses. Like it, at least they feel like losses in general. If, if they can't beat the Brett rip led Rams they're I mean, I don't even know where you go from that. Standpoint. I mean, we're talking about a nine game losing streak. Yeah. And like, in a game they probably shouldn't have won against New Orleans, that, you know, New Orleans, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, and then it's not like, it's not like any team on their schedule is just like, a, oh, yep, chalk it up. That's a win. Like they still have to go to New York after that. Tampa is played. I know that Tampa's not great, but Tampa's they've played decent. better football. Yeah. They've, they've played better football than Green Bay has at Carolina, which at that point, like, Again, if you haven't, if you maybe won one game up until that point, it's not like Green Bay is going in with a ton of confidence into Carolina. Then you go to Minnesota, and I guess their quarterback situation might be interesting enough. And then Chicago at home here, I—I I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I, it's going to get uglier before it gets better. And they could get a small reprieve this week with a win against the Rams, maybe. But if they don't, then it, it look the heck out. Yeah, I mean.
0: There's no way around it this is a must win for Green Bay this weekend if they if they can't get this done, this is gonna get ugly. this is not this is not going to be a fun ride and I wouldn't be surprised if stuff starts spinning out of the locker room at that point. I mean we're already at the point where Zach Tom is saying like the team is not prepared right like coming into games and Russell Douglas is saying offenses are playing the defense differently because they know that the Packers cannot score. And I know the defense isn't saying that as a, yeah, here's our excuse type of thing. Like they always end right. all that stuff with like, we got, we, you know, they score 17, we have to hold them to 16, right? Or something like that. Um, but the fact that the confidence is slipping on the offensive side, is a, that's terrible. And that's how you spiral is by – having this and then saying like oh we want to trade for a Saquon Barkley to bail us out like it never works man it never works long term so did you see my tweet of first half
1: drives for Green Bay dude they didn't have what they have nine points and 25 drives I saw nine points and 25 drives nine points uh Ooh, nine total points Here, here's the really fun here's the really fun aspect of that uh they scored nine points three of those points were uh, based on a turnover that green Bay got, I think it was against Detroit in their territory, like right at the beginning of the game, or I think it was at Rudy Ford that had the interception. And that was the one where he could have ran the quarterback over and instead just went right out of bounds. Um, They scored three points on a four play zero yard drive. So that was just based on the defense, but nine points total, they did have a missed field goal where they actually put a 47 yard drive together in there. But um, the, the even better part is that on one of their uh 18 punts in those 25 drives, the punt was returned for a touchdown? So they scored nine points, and one of those punts was returned for a touchdown for seven so they're, points. They're net two. They're, they're net, net two, two just on that alone. That's not even including the two interceptions. I think one of which was deep in their own territory, which would have netted three points. I think it ended up more, but like they are net negative on offense. They're net negative on offense. And like even if the defense didn't allow points it like other than the punt return for the touchdown and like off of the two interceptions that love threw where they were basically at least one of them i know they were in scoring position right away like they they were net negative on offense in those 25 drives just on that alone which is unbelievable it's um, not
0: normal for an offense to be this bad again no even in a developmental year like guys no, I, I i'm i'm the one who in the first week of september i'm saying like hey They have a $40 million offense. Like, let's set expectations correctly. But, like, the one thing people always say, right, is, like, the one thing you can't control is, like, effort, right? And what the hell does $40 million have to do with no one running a route on a play that they worked and scripted all week in practice, third play of the game, and no one's running a route, right? Like, that has no – like – there are there seem to be cracks that are systematic in the thought of is LaFleur or this coaching staff the staff that we actually want to develop young players, which is what the job is right now, and is yep. going to be the job through at least I don't know 2026. Right? At like, least that's yeah. the that's the job. So like that's what you have to solve right now. It's not about like is this fair to release. LeFleur, when he was only given, you know, these guys on offense, it's these guys didn't get any better in this season. We burned a year of their precious rookie contracts that is, you know, we're saying is the lifeblood of this organization, right? Wh- what do we think the problem was? Do we need to replace all the players? Do we didn't need to replace the coaching staff? Like something needs to change moving forward and the team is going to have very few assets. Um, in
1: terms of being able to spend money in free agency and stuff like that. So I don't know. Somebody forgot to give the memo that to Jordan Addison, that he's, he, he's, he's young and he's a rookie, so he can't, you know, you're not allowed to run routes that well and get open that yeah. easily in the NFL. Um, yeah, it, it takes, it takes a couple of years to, to really get into that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I, and I've said from prior to the season, I, I didn't really care from a record standpoint, two and five, I, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have expected it, but I, I wouldn't have been shocked by it by any stretch of the imagination. This is nothing for me. I can't speak for everyone, can't speak for you, obviously. This is nothing to do with record for me. Um, if they were two and five and won their last two games and were trending in the right direction, cool. Like I, I can understand that. And if things were showing signs of progress each week and we, we've said it before, we'll say it like progress isn't always linear. Sometimes you take three steps back before you take four steps forward, whatever it might be. There's just so precious little from a positive standpoint to take away. And you you and I know you like you can't you can't have 25 first half drives in five games and look completely and utterly incompetent. You mentioned that, that's what they uh, practice. That's what I they know, that's practice. Exactly. That's what they say
0: they game plan for. LaFleur says those are the best plays that they have coming into these games. Like How many more times do we need to see this before we start taking the hint, guys? Like, this isn't going well. I haven't seen anything change from, you know, week two to week eight at this point. And if this continues for another third of the season, quarter of the season, like, I don't know if Matt's going to get fired in season, guys.
1: Yeah, That could happen. I don't know that they will do it, but I'm not saying that they shouldn't based on what we've seen in just, and I'm willing to let it play out a little bit longer to see if like they can get this turned around. But like I said, this week is a massive freaking week and I don't even know where to like go from like, but you mentioned, you mentioned the play. So just to kind of bring people through this, you've got the first two plays on offense, the third play, Jordan love looks right. There's three wide receivers to the right. All three of them are run blocking. It, everyone up front is run blocking. It's a run play. Matt LaFleur in his press conference today said it was a bad play call and it's on him. I know that Matt will legitimately own some things. He didn't call a play for Jordan to look right and have three guys run blocking. Like it was either a, or, or like it clearly was a run call because everyone else besides Jordan on the play is, is running. It had to be because the the receivers are off. I think it's I, I, yesterday. I said it was Dobbs. I think it's Watson. Cause the corner on Dobbs is close enough, but the, the corner on Watson's off. I think Watson's supposed to run a little out route to the outside, something quick to the outside. They throw it to him. They pick up the one yard and it's easy, but instead nobody's looking. And I don't know if that's on the receiver, not getting the check. I don't know if that's Jordan not making When I watched it back today on all 22, Jordan doesn't do much. He does like a quick little look over, but there's no, there's I, that, not that I could glean or dissect of like any sort of real like hand signal or anything, So I don't know if that's just something that's like a silent thing where Watson has to recognize it and know if the player is off that he's got to go on the route and he doesn't do it. And again, it could have been Dobbs. It could have been one of the, it's, it's hard to say without knowing, but clearly not on the same page. This is the third play of the game on third and one, the third play of the game on third and one. So they have the penalty. They like Jordan makes a crazy play to get out of it, throws the ball downfield. Dobbs comes up with a catch, but of course Rashid's downfield, which has nothing to do with Rashid because it's right. a call I run. Don't, don't blame him. He thinks it's nope. going to be a run. How the run. hell is he supposed to know? Can't do anything. So you get the the a, a next play back. Then you get a free play. On the free play, you see the tight end coming open. There's a guy in his face. I don't care. They take the shot downfield. No big deal. But you get now another opportunity at third and one. And this is the play that I post where Rashid misses his block you got the, the belly flop by Josh Myers. John Runyon Jr. looks completely like he's going the wrong direction on the play and Zach Tom after the play is telling him, hey, you you need to go that way. Um, you've got Christian Watson matched up on a linebacker. Just like These have to be your core plays, uh, like the fifth play of the game, the third play of the game, the fifth play of the game, third and one, both situations. You had two opportunities. You had two opportunities on third and one in the first five plays of the game to pick up a yard and to just execute a basic play that I'm sure they, at least they should have practiced multiple times in the past. And you have complete F-ups all over the place on both of them. What, what else can we possibly glean from that other than you either have a team full of idiots, coaches that don't know how to get through to the players or a a practice that is not setting players up for success based on like the, I don't know. It's, it's it's exasperating. It's Yeah. yeah. I mean, Again,
0: you try to explain some of these problems to other teams' fans, and they're like, what the hell are you talking about? This isn't normal. This is evidence of a very poorly coached team or a team that, yeah, I mean, to your point, can get through with them, right? Like, I don't, you know, maybe these guys are smart and they just can't get through to these guys. Like, what does that matter? To to me, that's there's no difference between that and then being poorly coached, right? The product is the same thing. Uh, The question is just, does that change or do you have to change it? Right. And and that's the part that the Packers are in.
1: So and yeah. not not to beleaguer this either, but it you know, from a change standpoint, it's it's not only that it's not changing, it's not only that it's staying the same, it's getting worse, which is what's so concerning. And it against this is not. The, the chiefs and the Ravens. And I know it was one game against the lions. It's not the 49ers. It's not the Eagles. This is the, the Broncos, the Raiders and the Vikings. And in some of those games, the Broncos did everything they could to keep green Bay in that game. The Vikings did everything they could in the second, even in the first half to keep green Bay in this game at chunks of time. And green Bay just can't take it. Actually, it was the Raiders. Sorry. The Raiders did um with the, the play calls at the end to keep green Bay in like, and just, I mean, the Vikings. Dangerous? The Vikings turn the ball over
0: inside the twenty with their backup quarterback, and you score no 10 points. points, and no yeah. points on that off yeah. the turnover. Like, yeah, this is, this is they're getting bad results. And I, I was going to ask you, it, it's, it's so bad you you don't get the mulligan. If it no. looks this bad, you don't get the mulligan. You're in year five as a head coach in the NFL. It should not look this bad you should have your staff in order to the point that you know with the full preseason having these guys play having the two joint training camps or yeah two joint training camps uh, you know with the Patriots and Bengals um, having everyone in for OTAs outside of the cornerbacks right like it should not look this bad
1: and that's at some point becomes an indictment of the head coach Big time. I'm with you. I was going to ask you about Yash Nyman versus Rashid Walker this week. I don't even know that I have the stomach for it anymore, Uh, but based on what you saw this week, do you have a preference one way or the other?
0: I think Nyman is a little bit more consistent. I think their hope, and this is not inside information or anything like that. Like I think the hope was Walker is on such a cheap contract that if they could get a left tackle out of that cheap contract, um, that would go a long way. And I understand that thought, but they are now at the point where Walker had messed up so much that him being the left tackle of the future is probably in question. And then at yeah. that point, it's probably just better to play the guy who's a little bit more consistent. And that is now Nyman. Right. So um that's kind of what I think about the entire situation. I think they'll probably be a better team for. Playing Nyman at left tackle moving forward, if that's what they do end up doing. I know LaFleur said today, you know, th- that it's part of their evaluation process every week. And, you know, he's not going to name a starter or anything like that. I think it'll probably be Nyman um, moving forward. So that's just kind of my thought. Speaking of a guy who's regressing, I mean, Walker was what pitch perfect for two, three weeks to start the season and has
1: looked pretty tough since then. Right. So, yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of players had their best game against the Bears in week one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I haven't seen a ton of positives since then, although that wasn't obviously uh, um, Sheed because Bakhtiari was in that game, but I digress. Uh, all right, we've got potentially Brett Ripon at home this week. We've got either Yash Naiman or Rasheed Walker at left tackle. Who knows? A team that's regressing, but Rashawn Gary on a brand-new contract. Justice, anything else you want to go over before I uh, go take some anti-nauseous medicine? <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. I think we hit everything. Um,
0: hope we're better this week. Like that's all I got. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah. I it's tough. It's really hard. Um, and again, I I think there are so many variables with this, this team and it's tough to figure out exactly what the, the constant issue is, but like at that point, that's what the head coach is for is to figure out like, when you have all those variables is to put them all together and to make something out of it and at least show signs of progress. And I know we've been over it a million times, but we haven't seen that. And again, at some point that has to fall on the head coach. And it does, I I said the other day, like, I know people want, like, they want blood right now They're, Yeah. We got to have change everywhere. Like multiple people throughout the organization, players, coaches, front office are in the process of losing their jobs. Um, the Green Bay Packers are probably going to give them maybe the rest of the season, or at least a good chunk of the rest of the season just to double check and make sure that they're not being rash into jumping to any conclusions, just because that's who the Packers are. But if things don't change, there are a ton of players, coaches, personnel, people, scouts, et cetera, that are in currently in the process of losing said job. So uh, to, to, quote a great movie there will be blood it may not be as soon as people want right now but it is in the process of happening one way or the other if this keeps up and hopefully hopefully it just it like turns around like overnight and all of a sudden they run off eight wins in a row that'd be great i would love that but um if it doesn't it's gonna happen yeah i mean i'm
0: i have no personal problems with matt lafleur i'm rooting the best for him i know coaching coaching sucks the the fact that you have to bounce around if you're doing well or if you're doing poorly is tough on families. I understand all that. They put in a ton of hours, all that. But at the end of the day, this Packers team looks bad. They look like they're staring down the barrel of three and nine. And I just cannot envision the this the standard is the standard in the NFL for veteran yep. coaches. No one survives that, right? Like Andy Reid got fired in Philadelphia. That yep. stuff happens like that. Those things happen. Those things happen. Sometimes th- the right guy, the right time, the right fit, like those things don't totally mesh up. And I'm sure Lafleur would get another head coaching opportunity somewhere else. Um, but as it looks right now, if they continue this, he's going to get canned this season. Um, hopefully it doesn't come down to that. Hopefully they figure something out and we get to watch some fun football, you know, the next couple of Sundays. So.
1: 98 ish, maybe 99% of people, uh, when they take a job in the NFL, whether as player, coach, or GM, are taking that job to eventually get fired. Um, like it's just, it's going to happen, unfortunately. And again, we're not cheering for it. We're not hopeful for it. We would rather just everyone go on to Hall of Fame coaching and playing careers and uh, a lot of Super Bowls. Right now, it's not exactly trending in that direction. Justice, you are amazing. Tell everyone where we can find your work and uh, plug anything you want to plug.
0: Yeah, com. Um, I think by the time you listen to this on Tuesday, I should have something up on, you know, that that streak of coaches, right, that were kept after having a poor season as, you know, a, a very veteran head coach like LaFleur is. Um, and then I should have another piece up probably analyzing uh, Rashawn Gary's contract and why it's kind of a win-win situation. Um, you can listen to us on the Acme Packing Company podcast feed. And uh, find me on Twitter slash X
1: slash whatever we call it at J-U-M-O-S-Q. Make sure to give him a follow. Check out Acme Packing Company. One of the absolute best sites out there for all sorts of Packers content. They're doing incredible work. You can find the pack podcast at pack podcast on social media. You can follow me at Andy Herman NFL. That will do it for Justice Piscata. I'm Andy Herman. Thanks so much for following along. But until next time, and as always, go Pack-Go.